0: Joining us in this episode of SERP podcasts, we have Dr. Amar Malik, currently the Data Governance Manager at AstraZeneca and also Senior Research Fellow at the Harvard Kennedy School. Hello, Amar. Thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Hello, Radha. Thank you. Nice to meet you as well.
0: So Amar, you recently conducted a study on fear of crime around public transportation in Lahore using real-time and context-specific data collected through smartphone applications. Can you elaborate on this research and also on why you chose to work on this specific aspect of the of public transportation?
1: Uh, so Ghada, I've been interested in urban development and transportation work uh, for a while. Uh, my Ph.D. work at George Mason uh, was an exploration of how the transport uh, works in the city of Lahore. Um, and, you know, between 2016 and 2018, I was doing research on the Lahore Metrobus trying to understand from an economic lens What kind of impact this big project has created on labor markets, on real estate prices, on and on people's mobility, basically looking at uh, uh, from a social and economic lens. But um, what I saw in the data was uh, really a very stunning pattern. I noticed that to go from um, point A to point B, men and women in Lahore were taking um, different routes, and uh, they had very, very different experiences of the transport system. And that, to me, was quite surprising. As somebody who lived and commuted in Lahore, uh, I couldn't understand why. So I went on a quest to try to explore that, and I discovered that um, women are paying uh, almost twice as as much as men to go from point A to point B on average. They are taking much longer, and also their trips are uh, more complex, which means they are more likely to travel with children, uh, they're more likely to make more stops, and their uh, trips are generally not straightforward in terms of um, being straight lines from one point to the other point. Um, and that is what really got me going into this topic to try to explain, explore what is it that explains this difference between the two uh, gender experiences on our transport system. So um, with that, I started exploring um, the reasons, looking at the literature, and then visiting Pakistan and uh, meeting with policymakers to understand what might be going on. The first thing I understood from my interactions with policymakers was that they did not recognize this as a problem. Uh, Often I heard them say that uh, Lahore does not have a harassment problem or that this is a Western concept that is being imposed on us, uh, whereas in reality uh, women are very free and safe. Uh, But then when I talk to women in women's groups, uh, they were unanimous in saying that uh, this is a huge issue. So what I realized was that we need to start a public discussion on this topic and also to bring some fresh evidence on the economic impact that this creates on women's mobility. Look, in Pakistan over the last few years, bus rapid transit, or what we call metrobus, has been a major investment by multiple governments. What I mean is provincial, now federal governments in multiple uh, parts of the country. But what happens once these systems are built has not really been studied as systematically, especially from the perspective of women. So my contribution to this discussion and debate is that we need to be a little bit more gender sensitive when designing transportation systems. And that happens when you understand how men and women's needs on your transport system are different, and then you do measures to address those discrepancies.
0: And how exactly did your study attempt to measure this uh, subjective experience of fear?
1: So in fear of crime and criminology studies, uh, the typical method is uh, to ask victims about their experiences a few days, hours, or even months or years after the incident happened. And as you can imagine, people's memory gets faded away. So the quality of the data that is collected about fears or fears of crime or harassment experiences or abuse experiences gets inferior. Um, We designed a smartphone application, uh, the purpose of which was to create real-time data uh, about people's experiences, uh, both subjective and objectively collecting data about their environment um, throughout the city of Lahore. So we teamed up with uh, colleagues at the ITU in Lahore and designed an app uh, and gave it to about 20 users, both men and women, who were asked to use this app in their daily commuting throughout the city of Lahore. What we did over this period of time was that whenever they entered a quote-unquote not safe area at a dangerous time, which we knew based on our analysis of the crime data of uh, of the city, uh, they were prompted to report um, uh, a survey or complete a survey. In the survey, we had two types of questions. One question set was about uh, people's uh, subjective feeling. Uh, around the likelihood or the fear of being harassed, being mugged uh, or being pickpocketed. So this was just based on what they were feeling in the moment, what kind of environment they were in. And then second part was asking them some objective questions about what they're observing. Of course, we knew their location, but we wanted them to say, okay, the street light is not working or this area is very crowded or that there is nobody around and, um, and, or there's five people around and somebody might be following something like that, which is a little bit more observable. So with these two sets of data, we were able to piece together a really clear picture of uh, people's fears of crime, but also the likelihood that they might be harassed in a particular point in time.
0: So understandably, there is a, a big part of this that involves uh getting recognition for the issue as well because uh, there there is very little cognizance that the, of the fact that sexual harassment even exists. So in countries where sexual harassment is a taboo subject, what do you think can be done to bring this issue into the policy agenda?
1: First of all, we need to recognize that there is an issue with sexual harassment or that sexual harassment in its many forms actually has real economic and social implications. Of course, this is first and foremost a fundamental human rights issue. But besides that, I think the economic dimensions of this need to be very clearly stated so that people in higher levels of authority can start to pay attention. Second, I think we need to create very clear evidence on where, when and how sexual harassment takes place and then have these difficult conversations that sort of describe the issue in its detail. and I say it is difficult because these can be a little bit uncomfortable, especially in in conservative societies when these issues are considered a taboo and the tendency is to push these things under the rug. Um, But I think it is very, very important to bring women's perspective out to the forefront and to shed new light on this issue from a woman's perspective. Third, I think the economic logic of why this is an economic issue needs to be understood, which I think is pretty simple. The, uh, here's how it goes. When a person is able to travel farther away from their home uh, in, let's say, one hour or and a half an hour commuting distance, they are able to access a much larger pool of jobs which in theory means that they should be able to find a better paying job, which also suits their talents better. So when a woman is harassed on the street or on the bus or is hesitant altogether to enter into the transportation system or enter into the labor force, we are losing out not just individually, in terms of household income lost, but also collectively as a society, as an economy, which will not then be able to function as properly as it should. So these are, I think, the three steps that we need to take in order to bring this issue to the policy agenda. First, recognize that this issue exists. Second, unpack that issue further by giving more description, and third, shed new light on this issue from an economic and social lens by doing studies that very uh, compellingly make the case that this is an economic issue.
0: Right. So even if more data can be created about harassment on public transport, what measures do you think can be taken to improve the situation on the ground?
1: We asked women in Lahore this question uh, through our smartphone application and our survey work, and some very interesting responses came. But before that, there's one very interesting suggestion that uh, is a little bit controversial when I discuss it with uh, women's advocates and people who work on women's empowerment, which is uh, the women-only buses. Um, The controversy is that yes, uh, women-only buses would really help um, keep women safe when they're on the vehicle, uh but it uh, helps perpetuate this idea that women need to be caged in protected or like physically separated from men in order for them to feel safe and many women uh, would say that this is not the right way to do it Uh, we would rather uh, sanction the perpetrators of harassment uh, and then have them uh, change their behavior rather than put women in these uh, buses. There's also challenges around these buses, uh, such as the scheduling, the number of these buses that exist, and whether you can run them uh, feasibly in terms of the uh, the economics of the bus route. So I think this is something that needs to be looked at. Uh, There's lots of papers and studies being done around the world on the efficacy of what they call pink buses. But in the case of Pakistan, I think longer term, Yes, we need to strive for those behavioral changes that we are all uh, hoping for, um, so that no woman gets harassed on the street or on the bus. But I think in the short term, this could be a viable solution uh, to create change. Some of the other measures that um, we discussed um, in our research and were uh, were brought up by passengers um, centered around this idea of doing smarter patrolling or having more police presence. Uh, But not everywhere. You can't really do patrolling every single place in a large city like Lahore. So you need to get smarter about it. This is where research and evidence comes in handy. If you can collect data from passengers, that identify hotspots where this kind of activity takes place, uh, whether they're harassed uh, on the bus, off the bus, getting on the bus, waiting for the bus. I think those areas could have a a little bit more of a deterrence through police presence. And I think that's going to make a big difference. Uh, The second thing that was discussed and also is being uh, researched here at SERP is this idea of using CCTV cameras on the buses. But of course we have cameras now all over the city uh, because of the Safe City project So I think that you can run a a campaign to create more awareness that there are lots and lots of cameras watching people and that bad behavior can be uh, reprimanded or uh, you can be caught uh, for doing any activity that um, does not conform to our laws. So I think this deterrence through cameras can also be an effective tool, but it can be also done throughout the entire city. And then the third thing, which I don't think necessarily requires a great deal of investment, but is very simple, which is that we need to upgrade the transport operations, including the bus stops. Which means is what this means is we need to make sure that the buses and the wagons always stop at the right spot, so that women don't have to run and you rush to get onto the. Uh, Vehicles. A lot of the harassment actually happens while women are trying to get on or off the vehicle or when they are getting into a crowded vehicle. So, if we can improve the timing, the scheduling, the way in which people get on and off the bus, the street lighting around the bus stops, I think that in itself could make a huge difference. And you will see great improvements in women's comfort. Uh, In fact, we were surprised in our research when we learned that less harassment actually takes place. on the bus than in uh, than outside the bus, so I think that's where the attention needs to be. And I think together all of these measures can have a have a have a pretty good impact on the ground.
0: Okay, so that's really interesting, Amar. So, what role do you think a smartphone technology can play in accelerating evidence based policy in developing countries like Pakistan?
1: The first thing that you need to understand about technology is that technology is not really a solution in itself. It is a means to achieving uh, behavioral change, which is the real challenge. So the technical aspect of building an app, uh, giving people a smartphone, um, that is much easier to solve than having people change their behavior around that technology. So in my case, this tool was built, uh, tested um, on the ground, I think the challenge now is what do you do with the data that is created by this tool? So let's say we open up this app to hundreds of people or thousands of people and they start giving reports to us about what they're feeling about their safety in different parts of the city at different points in time. Well, that's great. We can also put together a technical solution, which is to create a dashboard or a portal on a map and give uh, real-time data on where people are fearing um, harassment and where they're not. But then this behavior or this reporting is not going to be successful unless there is a commitment from the government side or law enforcement side to do something about it which means that if their data tells you that after eight o'clock the Shadara station is not safe, and specifically there are these streets around Shadara station where women are being harassed when they get off the Metro to go to a local bus, uh, we need to make sure that there are resources available to actually send people for patrolling on those spots or install new streetlights or do other kind of community driven measures that would resolve this problem. So I think that the role of technology is very important in creating the data, but in order to that data into real evidence or actionable um, evidence, I think we need to take uh, it a step further and partner with law enforcement and partner with government agencies who are committed to doing something about it. Only then can this cycle of feedback and change uh, really work for people on the ground.
0: Right, And um, so, Omar, this is very interesting. It's just uh... The last question that I wanted to ask you is that, um, so there is a significant qualitative component to this research. So were there any unexpected findings uh, regarding the uh, regarding fear of crime around public transportation?
1: Yeah, certainly when we spend a lot of time with the people who used our application as um, sort of the first set of pilot implementers. And they told us very, very interesting insights. For example, we were surprised to find that both men and women are uh, vulnerable to sexual harassment. Um, We also found that women and men are uh, vulnerable to verbal harassment. There were some instances where uh, women reported being um, harassed by other women. So it's not just a um, a man uh, to woman issue, it's it's a multi-dimensional issue. In in some cases, women were harassed for wearing, wearing makeup or putting on a nail polish or something like that. Uh, the other quite interesting insight we found was that the ma- the way in which a woman dresses up uh did not show up in our data as having an impact on her likelihood of being actually harassed on the on the street or on the bus so in other words it it wasn't clear to us that if a woman is wearing one kind of cloth or covering her up in covering herself up in one particular kind of dress that actually gave her protection from uh, harassers or uh, or worse so i think those two things were uh, to us uh, very very interesting the third thing that i would say was interesting um, as well was that the much of the problems happened when um, people were overcrowded either on the vehicle or off the vehicle. So what this tells us is that by improving the transport operation, by making sure that there are enough vehicles available to pick up people at rush hours and to manage the rush, I think in itself is going to improve the situation both for men and women, but particularly for women who get harassed when they are um, forced to get onto a vehicle when there's no space or are forced to line up in a place which is confined and it doesn't have enough space for everybody. So I think those would be my three top um, surprising findings.
0: Right. Well, thank you so much, Amar for joining us.
1: Thank you, Radha.